Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans, by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with the fabulous three that includes myself, Miss Tam, and my man, Front Row Kenny. How you guys doing? How about those cowboys? Man. <laughs> you ain't got to start us off like that. That's rough. Man. Yep. 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 <laughs> I was in a good mood. Oh, I was. I'm not going to lie. At first, it was playing okay. And then that last touchdown, Wilson threw it in the Metcalf. I was like, you know what? I can foresee this not going as well as we had with the Falcons and their infamous blowing leads every single time. I don't know what it is about Atlanta sports, but we couldn't get that with Seattle sports, unfortunately. Uh, Russell Wilson and the power of Sierra are just too good. Okay. I am going to start off with a tweet that I saved just for this moment. As soon as I saw the tweet, I was like, I have to read it on the podcast to kind of sort of rub it in. And and here's the thing. I'm not a cowboy hater at all. Oh, no. There's just something captivating about the Cowboys. So yeah. I root for the I Cowboys. Know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I root for the Cowboys when I'm not rooting for another team. So here is the tweet. No greater mental illness than being a Cowboys fan. I should get disability pay. Hey, <laughs> you know what? That's... I can't even I can't even lie. That's actually funny. I can't even I can't even lie on that, honestly. Even though I don't think this is the worst team I like follow by any means. I'm a New York Mets fan, so we did not make the playoffs. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that's way worse than that. I thought that tweet was hilarious when I saw it. And here was another tweet. Somebody wrote, Depressed Sundays are back. And then they did a screenshot and it looks like a text message or something between them and their dad. The dad said Cowboy struggling, dot, dot, dot. And the person was like, replied to their dad and said, what's new? And dad said, LOL, you're right. And then the person just did the face palm over the face emoji. Oh, sports. So basically, there's nothing new about the Cowboys struggling. But yep. we're going to get into some NASCAR talk in a bit. I just had to bring up the Cowboys because it was a crazy race day because the Cowboys were playing Seattle as the NASCAR race started. Somewhere in between all that, there was an NBA game that decided which team was going to the finals. Of course, I had to take a break to watch Power Book 2 to see what Tyreek was up to because it's gotten crazy. And <laughs> yeah, there there was just a lot going on. And this is my argument for the reason why NASCAR should end before the NFL season begins because it's just way too much. And obviously, we know the NBA is on a different schedule because of COVID, but it was just too much to watch today on the TV. And we are filming this, filming, well, we're not filming, actually, we're recording. We're recording this podcast after the race. So on that note, do you guys want to talk about your weekend? And actually, guys, we have a very special guest coming up a little bit later. So we're going to 
cut our normal talk short. Maybe some of you guys are happy because lately we talk NASCAR, but we've been all off on a whole bunch of other things. And now that those Cowboys are back to their old ways, (laughs) clearly for the next six weeks, we'll be talking a little bit of NFL. But before we jump into our special guest who's on the show with us today, Renee, how was your weekend? And Kenny, what was your weekend like? Well, my weekend was pretty much pretty much chill, to, to be honest with you. Uh, most of the time, you know, other than working, I, I stayed home and I, I think I, I, I watched a lot of TV. There's a new show that I've, I've been watching on Netflix. Uh, Netflix. It's um, I think it's Netflix. It's called The Boys. I don't know if you guys have watched that. Oh my uh, god! My friend told me about the boys. I have not I was heard of it. Check yeah. it out. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime. That's what it is. Yeah, but it is absolutely fantastic, and uh, it it is uh, it's got my attention, and I've kind of been glued to the TV sets, uh, g- getting caught up on. And I think it's only it's in a, in its second season, but I but because I just started watching it, you know, I've been glued to the TV uh, in between going to work and not doing anything. <laughs> Man, Renee. Don't you miss good music and DJs yes. like yes yes black coffee all of it, all of it. <laughs> man I was like is this what life is about I watched a black coffee set and for those who don't know black coffee is one of my favorite DJs I watched a two hour set on Twitch and I was like dude hey, shout what out has Twitch. my life come to well that's for your generation Kenny I got better things to do than to watch. Twitch. Well, I guess apparently I didn't, but (laughs) I was like, what has happened to this life where I'm watching a DJ on Twitch? But it was a really good set. Nonetheless, Kenny, how was your weekend? What did you do? My weekend was actually pretty laid back. It was actually a a jam-packed sports weekend for me. So I probably haven't talked about this one much in the podcast, but Outside of Tuskegee, obviously for football, I'm a Florida Gators fan by default when it comes to all college sports, no matter what it is. So we played our first game. We played Ole Miss. We beat the brakes off Ole Miss, which I'm happy about. I will take that all day, every day. That kicked off my Saturday. Sunday was was pretty slow. I mean, obviously, I watched the Cowboys game. Unfortunately, we did not get the dub this time around. So that kind of sucks. But also... I've actually, speaking of Twitch, you saying that, I've been in my gaming bag for a little bit this weekend playing this new game. Well, not new. It's old, but very popular as of late. It's a game called Among Us. It's like a game you can play with your friends. It's like a group of people. There's like a whole crew, and then there's people who are like not supposed to be with your crew or whatever. You got to figure out who is who. It's kind of like a mystery game in its own little way, but it's actually kind of crazy when you got a good group of people to play with, so... Shout out to all my homies. We've been playing that game. It's a pretty fun one. So that pretty much kept up all of my weekend. It wasn't really too crazy at all, honestly. Well, my weekend was pretty chill aside from the two inch bolt that was in my tire because I had, I don't even know, it didn't really become a flat tire. Although you guys are car people listening. So my PSI for my back tires is supposed to be 36 and it went all the way down to 16. And I knew something was wrong and quickly I discovered it wasn't a nail. It was a bolt, two inches, and it was big. I know that pain too well. In my tire. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, Kenny, I was on the phone with you. Remember? I was like, what the hell is happening here? I knew something was wrong. I was like, man, (laughs) I've been through it too. Yeah, so that, because we talked about, 
just got paid on Friday night <laughs> and then having a <laughs> I didn't get paid on Friday night. It's an inside joke. There's a song and Kenny was telling me about his weekend and I started telling him about this song, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's jump into some NASCAR talk from Las Vegas. Your top 10, your boy Kurt Busch finally won at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It took him 21 years to win at his home track, but he got it done. Matt, as in Matty D, Matt the Benedetto, I hope Matt sticks around. I hope he, even if he doesn't drive for the Wood Brothers next year, I hope he's in a ride where he can shine because I really like him. He came in second and it was just awesome listening to him in the post-race interview. He's just a great guy all the way around. Denny Hamlin, man, no lead is safe when Denny's on the track because Denny went, I was like, wait, where did Denny come from? He pushed the number 88, then he was in second, and but obviously he didn't win the race, but it was like a quick little moment where you were like, look at Denny. And it would have been great if he won on the heels of last week's news of him and Michael Jordan starting their own team, but it didn't happen that way. Martin Truex Jr., I felt, quietly came in fourth. And again, I did not see every single lap of the race, but I just don't recall much fanfare for Martin Truex Jr., but he came in fourth, Alex Bowman fifth, Kyle Busch came in sixth, still winless for the 2020 NASCAR Cup season. Ryan Blaney came in seventh, Eric Jones eighth, Chris Buescher ninth, and Kevin Harvick. I never thought I would say this. Well, not that I never thought, but it just seems odd saying that Kevin Harvick came in 10th. Notables, as you guys know, Jimmy Johnson is always going to be a notable until the end of the 2020 season. He came in 11th and Matt Kenseth came in 18th. I should have told you guys, or I should tell you guys where the rest of the playoff field came that placed out of the top 10. However, I won't. What I will do is give you the playoff standings as it is now. Kurt Busch is into the round of eight because he won. Harvick has so many points. If the playoffs started today, he's in. Hamlin's in. Brad Kozlowski's in. And shout out to Brad Kozlowski in the number two Penske Auto Trader paint scheme. One of my favorite paint schemes if you listen to this podcast, obviously you know why. Love the people over at Cox Automotive. They always look out for me. Shout out to them. Chase Elliott would be in and Alex Bowman would be the last driver in the playoffs if they started today. There are four drivers out of the 12 that would be on the outside looking in. And unfortunately, or fortunate for all you KFB haters, <laughs> one of them is Kyle Busch. Clint Boyer, nobody wants to see him go because we just enjoy hearing him pre and post race. His interviews are priceless, but Clint would be out. Eric Amarola would be out and Austin Dillon would be donezo. Austin tends to do well at super speedways and we are headed to Talladega next week. But as we all know, and anybody who knows anything about NASCAR, <laughs> Talladega will mess up your best dream and nobody's safe and nothing's guaranteed at Talladega. 
So we could see a surprise winner like how we have with Kurt Busch. And maybe if that surprise winner is outside of the playoffs, it wouldn't matter. But if we see a surprise winner for at Talladega during this time, if we see somebody, (laughs) (laughs) if we see a playoff driver win and it's a surprise playoff driver, okay, I'm not going to cut this because I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I got confused, but y'all know what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, we do. Basically, you don't want to see no surprises. That's all. And on that note, that is it for Vegas because it's done and over with. What happened in Vegas stayed in Vegas except Kurt Busch's win is on to Talladega. And just to clarify something, Talladega is not a cutoff race, meaning that there's still one more race, the Roval. Which is interesting that we had one, wait, it's been, this is our third year of the Roval? Yep, this will be year three, yeah. It's crazy how the, yeah, it's crazy how the Roval made it as a playoff race so quickly. So, in fact, not this upcoming week at Talladega, but the week after the Roval is the last race for the round of 12. So, you have two more races before we head into the round of eight. Okay, so on that note, do you guys want to talk about anything else? Because I feel like I'm just doing all the talking. Or do you guys want to jump on and talk to our special guests? You know what? I did want to say something real quick just about Vegas and, and, and the, the track itself. Um, so the only thing I, I want to say, because I thought it was kind of funny and I thought about it earlier today. I was watching the race with uh, my little lady friend. And uh oh, <laughs> yeah, so shout kinda, out to Renee's lady friend and shout out to Kenny's yeah, girlfriend, so, <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So, uh, number one, it was fantastic because she's this is the first time she's ever actually watched a, a race, like you know, because I was watching it. And at, and and at the very beginning, she goes, Where is this race? I said, This is Las Vegas. And uh, she goes, Las Vegas. She goes, Wait a minute, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And I said, yeah, why? She goes, oh my God, that's, e- that's, that's, that's where EDC is. And I went, what? <laughs> now that's funny. For those that don't know, EDC is the Electric Daisy Carnival and it's a big EDM oh, festival, yeah. rave, oh, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. And it's a huge rave. What's it funny is, is- about that comment from Renee's lady friend? And I say that in air quotes because she doesn't have the title of girlfriend yet. <laughs> She's just a lady friend. What's funny is the fact that she equates the Las Vegas Motor Speedway with a rave more than she does an actual racing track. (laughs) Exactly. So when so when the camera panned out and showed showed the track from up above, she goes, Oh my God. She goes, That's what it looks like when when like it's not set up for for EDC. And I go, Yes, it's a racetrack for NASCAR. <laughs> That's funny, Renee. And I'm just sitting here dying, and I and I and I and I I'm sure my, that our listeners will kind of understand now that you've explained it, Tam. But it, th- that now you see where the joke is going, and I thought that was so funny. I had to share that. Well, I actually think that that's all about to change now that Jordan's in the sport. We'll have more people actually, hopefully, wanting to know more about NASCAR and actually coming to the races to be honest 
I think it may be a perfect storm because if I was in Las Vegas, if you know, if I was wanting to get into NASCAR or I was in Las Vegas and I heard about there being a race, I would go over to the track. Oh, yeah, totally. But that's just how I am. Like, I always try to experience what's going on in that city. Now, I can't say that there'll be a flock of people going to New Hampshire. I don't go to New Hampshire, but look. (laughs) But yeah, I can see people maybe heading over to Las Vegas if they're in Las Vegas. You know. I never know. Who knows? Okay. We have a special guest. Kenny, you want to do the honors of telling the good people about our special guest? All right. So we got our man, Dion, a.k.a. Rocco Williams, joining us. He has been a longtime pick remember, in NASCAR, one of the first African-Americans to go over the wall. So that's pretty big on his part. He was also a co-worker of mine at MRN, and his show was called MRN Crew Call. It was all about pit crews and... I got to say, I hope I gave you enough energy this time, Rocco, but here we are. That's all, man. Let's hear what you got to say. Yo, what is going on? All turns, no breaks. We got a special guest, obviously. My man, Rocco Williams. I've worked with very him Very special. Very, very special. Mr. Pit Crew Man that I know at MRN. Thank That's you. my man, Rocco Williams. Was that yep. a good enough intro for you, man? What's up? I, I give you eight out of ten. <laughs> I, I I need a little bit more energy. My vibe is a little more turnt than yours right now, so uh, you, better, you better bring it a little bit next time. Next show, I told you this is one of six, so um, on two of six, I want I want a little bit better, a little bit more. Okay, a little more. So, uh. <laughs> so we know who you are, and I'm sure you've told your story a thousand times, but you're about to tell it. Briefly, because we want everyone to know who you are. So when you come back, they're they're jonesing. And Kenny may not know what the word jonesing is. (laughs) He's too young. Yeah, (laughs) that's like a reoccurring thing. I I tend to drop those type of words. And Kenny's like, yeah, I'm too cool to even figure it out. But saying that to say, Rocco, tell us how you got into NASCAR and... Yeah, and we'll take it from there because I feel like this is going to be a conversation that is going to spark a lot of talk, but we can start with how you got into NASCAR and where you are today with NASCAR. I got into NASCAR by mistake, by avoiding real work, you know, and um, basically did not know what I wanted to do after my football career ended. Avoiding real work, Um, majoring in computer science, mass communications. It was just one of those things where I wanted to try the road less traveled by. Luckily for me, the stars aligned where I was uh, was introduced to a gentleman by the name of Coach Phil Horton, who is um, Director of Athletic Performance for Rev Racing and um, handles the NASCAR Drive for Diversity contract right now, recruiting athletes at that time. He saw in me what he considered an an experiment. At the time, Coach was the um, head coach at Chip Ganassi Racing. And they had a driver by the name of Sterling Marlin that they were trying to get up out of there. And the best way to get a driver up out of a race team is to give them a terrible pit crew. So the experiment was, hey, let's bring these athletes in and see if they can get rid of Sterling Marlin. And we did, you know, basically. (laughs) That's the short the short version. But no, no. And um, and, uh, in all seriousness, seriousness, um, Coach Horton gave me an opportunity 
to train in a, in a, a sport that was unfamiliar to me where I saw a lot of similarities and um, parallels between stick and ball sports. It allowed me to compete as an athlete professionally. It allowed me to um, earn a living that I would not be able to earn in stick and ball sports. And it was uh, the best way to, for me to describe NASCAR as America's best kept secret, you know, because um, athletes of color like, like myself totally ignore this sport for years and still do for the simple fact that it just wasn't really cool until recently until guys like myself and drivers uh, like myself, or, you know, who look like us and think like us and can relate to us started coming into the sport and that's announcers as well. And it just starting to get cool now. And I'm excited to be a part of it, especially having to endure those hard years early on where, you know, you felt like a, a bowl of, uh, uh, you felt like a kernel of rice in a, no, I'm sorry. You felt like a chocolate chip in a bowl of rice. <laughs> For lack so of a better word. You, you mentioned coach. And it's ironic because one of my first experiences when I came into NASCAR was going there and meeting coach. And although it's been a decade, he's still, every time I see him, he's always like, did we meet? And I'm like, yeah, we met. Um, hey, that's his go-to line right yeah. there. <laughs> but the funny thing is, and I, I, I don't want to give this too much time for some other reasons, but coach and Max Siegel, is he still a part of the sport? And for those who don't know, Max is, I don't know what he's doing now, but he was USA track and field and he had yep. this ideal to start this whole, you know, I don't, I don't know if he saw that there was a money opportunity, but, you know, he put all this stuff together and, you know, I, I don't talk about it often, but one of my first experiences was hanging out with, Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez and um, Giffy. And this is, woo, this is what, eight, nine years ago. Like, Giffy is not even in a sport anymore, is he? No. Which not is that I know of. Yeah, which is a shame <laughs> because I Absolutely. thought that his personality could have been big because I actually really like the guy. Obviously, we know Daniel is still around. But these, I, I mean, I have a photo of me and all these guys, which – is I look at them now and I'm like, whoo, that was a decade ago almost. But is Max still around and what's his involvement? And, you know, if you can talk a little bit more about your involvement with the, you know, are you still involved on that aspect with them? Absolutely. Max is involved. Max won the bid to handle the diversity contract for NASCAR. And he facilitates that contract through Rev Racing. And Rev Racing houses the driver development program and the NASCAR pit crew development program. So with the driver program, he hired an individual um, and competition director that's ran by um, Matt Booker and Mark Green, who is one of the driver coaches as well. And then he hired Coach Horton um, as director of athletic performance to handle the pit crew side of the NASCAR diversity program who in turn hired myself to handle recruiting and training of those athletes. So Max has an indirect uh, attachment to diversity in the sport as well as he has to uh, facilitate all the needs and requires, requirements set forth by NASCAR to uh, be able to receive the benefit NASCAR creates for the program. So therefore, he's indirectly involved in 
uh, the face of the program as represent as the representative as representation, if that makes sense. He represents the program and facilitates all operations through the hiring of coach and myself to handle the pit crew side. And I can only talk on the pit crew side because that's the only side that I'm involved with, involved in personally, and that is the most successful side of the diversity program. You know, we have <laughs> over 56 athletes in the sport right now. We're responsible for over two and a half million dollars in salary each and every year. We're almost at a hundred percent. Well, we should be at every single athlete that comes through our program, maintains with our program, sticks with us, are all hired working on crews to this day. So, I mean, virtually there's no other program within diversity in NASCAR as successful as the one that we are a part of as it relates to pick crew development and competing at a high level on, on elite teams in this sport. We have so many questions for you, but <laughs> I, since we're talking about pit crews, I want to ask you this. What makes a, a great pit crew guy? And what do you look for as someone who's helped train so many of these guys? It depends, you know, and, and I, that's a great question, um, Tam, that, that you asked, because a lot of people don't understand the similarities between the, the, the stick and ball sports and the NASCAR athletes. So with over the wall athletes in NASCAR, you have five main positions. You have your tire changer. You have two tire changers, one on the front and the rear. You have a jack man and you have a tire carrier now. So with those different stick and ball positions, let's let's take football, for example. Football, you'll have your cornerbacks, your wide receivers, and your, your running backs. Smaller guys, very shifty, very quick, great hand-eye coordination. They are very good at handling hitting the lug nuts with the tool that is required, which is the impact gun. Not to mention, they have to hit these lug nuts off in less than one second. Five lug nuts in under one second. Your hand-eye coordination has to be superb in that regard. Your linebackers like myself, your defensive linemen, your tackles, they're not going to be good. And the, first of all, they can't even get down in that position to hit those lug nuts. They're very bulky and big, so they want to be good at that position. Your jackman, that's your taller, girthier position um, athlete. He's also the captain of the pit crew in, in a sense but that he is the leader, the visual leader, the, the vocal leader of the team. He, his height is his biggest advantage because he can lean on that jack with, with the leverage and get that car up smooth where the changes are allowed to hit the lug nuts while the car is moving up. Not to mention, he has to drop the car, run around the other side of the car with a 35-pound jack, and facilitate the left side of the pit stop just as effectively as he did on the right side. So that's usually your DNs, your tight ends, your bigger, fast guys. And then last but least, the best position on the pit crew, the beast mode position, is the tire carrier. He is the most underrated, most hardworking, and the best-looking athlete ever in the world. You know, So those tire carriers, whoever you hear as, is a tire carrier, <laughs> He meets all of those requirements, okay? So long story short, those are your linebackers, your guys with your low center of gravity. You don't want them too tall. Short in the height doesn't really matter, but just being able to handle a 55-pound tire, one in each hand, and run around effectively is very, very key. So you have to be meticulous on what athletes you put in, in certain positions. And the overall requirement that is needed for a lot of these athletes that I recruit, being that I go to HBCUs, I go to D1 universities and I exclusively cater to minorities. You have to, um, you have to pinpoint those that are, are well adapted at code switching. We are a traveling circus that is of NASCAR. So 
you can't just get the, the athlete that can run fast and pick up things and, and, and just is the best athlete. You have to have that intangible of being able to, to uh, be the super minority in a situation, being around unfamiliar environments, making people feel uncomfortable and take jobs in a beast mode uh, fashion and do it in a way where you're killing them softly, where they don't see you coming. You know, we're seen but not heard. That's why we take over the way we do, but not every athlete can do that. So there's a lot of attention to detail that's required into recruiting an athlete. You can bring anybody you want into the sport, but to bring them successful, to, to make them successful and to reduce the numbers that we produce on a yearly uh, basis, on a consistent basis, it takes a lot, a lot of uh, attention to detail and um, just experience of being around the sport, being around every single team in the sport, working with the crew chiefs and handling, you know, and being presented with with a lot of BS sometimes and and knowing that your eyes on on, on, on the prize, you know, and having to be able to shake that off and just focus on competing and uh, representing not only yourself in your team, but a group of athletes that are looking to. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say take over, but, you know, to participate in a sport that's unfamiliar with them. And the success that we're having in this sport and the fun that you have in this sport, you know, it's, it's, um, it's catching on. And it's a lot easier to recruit nowadays than it was five and, and six years ago, you know, for the simple fact that NASCAR is slowly but surely becoming cooler and cooler of a sport, you know, to uh, um, like-minded and individuals like ourselves. So I have so many questions. And like you said, this is one of six interviews. One of six. So I'm going to try to get a few things in because I want them to kind of understand your mindset. And I'll let Kenny jump in. But for any of you who are listening to this podcast, you know I'm long-winded and I tend to dominate. And actually, as I was listening to last episode, I was like, oh, I talk so much. But I love NASCAR. I can go on and on. But I wanted to ask you this, Rocco. You touched on recruiting a little bit, but we see so many football players like yourself get into this sport. Why football players versus a track runner or a basketball player? Is there a specific thing in terms of like body type or, you know, strength? Like why football versus basketball players? We're crazy, Tam. That's why. Okay. (laughs) We're crazy. You know, football is a violent sport. You know, you're running your body into another body. You know, you're a big athlete. It's uh, not everybody can do that. It takes a, a unique um, individual to play that sport effectively. As it relates to NASCAR, you're jumping. And as a pit crew, you're jumping in front of a car going over 35 miles an hour with tires in your hand. You're a human frogger. If you're not familiar with the game frogger, Kenny, because I know you're young, you know, and you, you've never played that, you know. Your first I, do, system, I do at least know that one. I do at least know that one. Your first system was a, 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 a PlayStation. That was yeah, he, know, he knows system. nothing about Atari, ColecoVision, none of that. Turbo none of that. Neo Geo. Ooh, y'all going way, y'all going yeah, way, at way At one point back. in life, it was only Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and um, Galactica. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Okay. Kenny won't understand. Yes. So my last question before I turn it over to Kenny, and this is like, again, we're jumping all over the place, but we saw a reduction in the amount of pit crew guys. Do you think it's affected the sport? or Because it's kind of like, oh, dang, they took away some jobs. So that's a whole nother thing. But in terms of performance, do you yep. see this becoming 
a trend? Do you think everything is going according to plan or as usual? Like, what are your thoughts about that? And again, I know this is what, into our second year? Yeah. So what do you think of it? I think of it like this. And let me just give you an example. You remember how the NFL, you had special teams and the kickoff and you had, when you kicked the ball off, you had those guys run down the field and slam into you like, ooh, those bad hits and people were getting injured. What did they do next? They started limiting the kickoffs. You're right, because guys were getting hurt and just, it was just dangerous. And, you know, these millennials nowadays and the way people think everybody's so nice, you can't hurt each other. You can't cuss. You can't, can't say talking no. To you. <laughs> you can't say no to anybody, you know, because their feelings <laughs> might get hurt. So you have to evolve with that style. So, you know, you have to dummy down the sport where you have to call pass interference penalties. You have to make it about the offense. Same thing with NASCAR in a way where, you know, um, previously when you had seven guys go over the wall and then six guys over the wall and now five guys go off the wall, there are all types of things that they looked at for that. And initially I was upset because I was the best tire carrier in the six-man um, scheme, you know, in my opinion, because that's what I was used to. So why are they going to switch it up where you have to adapt and learn a new way? It kept things fresh. It gave us something else as an athlete to challenge and, and, and to get really good at. And, you know, so after they announced it and we started doing it, I started to enjoy it for the fact that you could set your part, yourself apart from others in a wholly another skill set, you know, because going from six individuals over the wall to five individuals over the wall, the choreography changes. You know, these guys are like uh, synchronized, um, synchronized swimmers where you have, everybody has to do their part. They train and practice so hard every week. You switch up taking one guy away from the pit crew it changed that whole choreography to the point where you have some athletes who will never be as effective as they were with six or seven individuals over the wall as they are with five. So it brings in the different type of athletes that you can recruit that will do well at certain positions. We have all types of rumors going on. Think about when the, the next gen car comes out and we go to single stud lug nuts. That's going to change the whole dynamic of what makes a tire change your effect. Instead of hitting five lug nuts, you're hitting one stud. Now, are you hitting that one stud from your knees? Are you going to stand up? Are you going to squat down? How long does it take to engage? That's what's fun about changes like that. The ones who can handle that, I mean, you know, get a, uh, ahead of the curve or that the quickest are the ones who are the most successful. And it's just fun to figure out, to be the first to do something really well. So, you know, change is not always bad. Initially, the only ones who are pissed off at change are the ones like me who are really good at doing something one way, you know, to the pack where you can dominate and, you know, and you got to switch up and it goes back to ground zero. But every now and then guys like me need to reset and remind ourselves that we are human and uh, we're around a lot of civilians and humans. And sometimes we just need to act like civilians and humans and just, uh, and, you know, not be so um, freaking talented. It, it is what it is. Hey, Does that help you understand that? That was perfect. That was perfect. Here's the thing. I'm just kicking ourselves, me and Kenny and Renee, in the butt for not having you on sooner. Like, I know we had talked about having you on, and I approached you at the track a couple of times, and Kenny talked to you, but we just never actually got it together. Uh, got together. No, I'm glad so. we did. I can, I can vent like this. I think about this stuff all day, and I'm around it all day, <laughs> and I get pissed off all day, and I never get to talk about it. So usually I'm just more upset during the week because, you know, I never get to vent. That's why I I, dang, I, I bottled y'all in into six shows. So I know for at least 
for at least six times in 2020 <laughs> and in early 2021, I'll be able to uh, vent a little bit, you know? So, uh, well, I'm, I'm holding y'all to that. This is the perfect show because I, you know, this is NASCAR talk for fans by fans. Obviously, I straddle the fence between media and fan and Kenny. There are some things that obviously we don't allow. And I say allow mm-hmm. like I'm his mother, but we don't allow Kenny to discuss <laughs> because he works for the sanctioning body. Um, but we keep it. And I hate to use that cliche, but we keep it 100 on this podcast. We talk about stuff that nobody else is going to talk about. In fact, I was looking at an old video from when we first got started four or five years ago when I compared um, Michael Waltrip to beer and (laughs) Jeff Gordon to wine. And Mm -hmm. nobody in NASCAR is going to say that because they're worried Mm -hmm. about stepping Mm -hmm. on people's toes. Mm -hmm. But I stand by what I said about the personality. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it or you can head over to allturnsnobreaks.com. If you don't know what you're talking about, you're probably not somebody of color anyways. Because that resonated with me right away. Yeah. And if I'm a race fan, that's how we tra- that's how we communicate to each other. Exactly. So, hey, you know, either get with us or read about us is my way to explain that, Tam. Yeah, because <laughs> Kenny knows I don't dislike any driver, but there are one or two drivers that meh. <laughs> meh. <laughs> meh. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. And yeah. you know, there are one or two drivers that I stand for. Mm-hmm. And there's of course my baby boo thing. And we all know Joseph Newgarden is my baby boo thing from IndyCar. But again, that's a whole nother story. Okay, Kenny. So I'm gonna Keep let what? you I'm gonna let what? you jump in. That's a whole nother show right there, boy. It is, oh, it is. my baby boo <laughs> thing. I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. No comment. Well, I'm going to say this. Since you said you, you're typically kind of pissed off because you got a lot you want to talk about all the time, let's talk about something more on a lighter note. So we while, you were, while you were in NASCAR as a, as a tie carrier and as a jack man, you won quite a few races with some pretty famous names. I don't know this guy named Jeff Gordon was one of them. Ooh. But, yeah, you know, pretty famous guy. So I got to ask you this. What was your favorite win that you had as a crew member? Brickyard. By far, the Brickyard 400 in Indy. Um, let me ask you the year. Was it 2006? Because I, I don't remember the year. But anyways, Jeff Gordon's last Brickyard win. You know, that was um, very special to me because that was a race where I finished second so many times prior with Mark Martin. Um, I finished second there with Juan Pablo so many times where he had to race one and pissed me off so many times. You know, when I was at Ganassi, and I was a big Juan Pablo fan at the time where he came from. So the Brickyard and then... Okay, I, I got to interject. That was before he hit the jet dryer. Okay, that was... That oh, was, hey, man. Hey, even before he hit the jet dryer, that was still dope because he was the first to ever hit that jet dryer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. But no, by, by far, that was my favorite race for the simple fact. After I learned the history of that track and... Got the, you know, I knew what the brickyard was, but going there, seeing the golf carts in there, seeing how uh, uh, massive the track is, and the the coolest story was the bricks and the fact that that large track was covered in bricks and then they removed them except for that one single yard of strip, that one strip of bricks, and you know, it was so many stories about that track that resonate with me. Besides, I mean, just gasoline alley, walking the pit road how skinny pit road is, the, the type of memories I've had from that racetrack when they messed up 
the, the tire, the tire compound. And we had to do 16 pit stops. And uh, we had to, we were passing out. You know, there are so many uh, memories. I mean, Bristol is a close second. You know, I really I've never won at Bristol, but just always uh, finished second there. I mean, so many times. But I, my biggest win would be kissing the bricks at the Brickyard with Jeff Gordon's last year, being able to send him out a winner. Uh, not a, not only that, I kept the pillows. You know, Crown Royal, they had the, the purple pillows <laughs> all on uh, pit road. And, you know, you kneeled on the pillows. I'm like, no, I'm, this is my pillow now. And um, I, I had some cool trinkets and trophies from that race. So definitely by far, um, the Brickyard 400 in Indy was a cool win. I have shared this many times, but as you guys know, my first race was actually the Brickyard. And that's how I fell in love with NASCAR. And I remember seeing Tony Stewart. I was like, who that be? <laughs> Ladies love smoke. I understood that really quick. That was so like, you got New Garden now and smoke. I'm seeing your pattern here. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm learning and, stuff here. Yeah. And I okay. and I just wanted to add this too because I shared this before. I think on the podcast, I actually had a bottle of commemorative bottle of bricks from the brickyard. And I had it forever and I didn't really understand the significance of it. And I just got tired of looking at it. So I dumped it in the trash. And so hearing Rocco share his story about the bricks, you know, it just kind of hits home all the time about the fact that I threw those bricks in the trash. But I do share one fond memory about being at the brickyard. And that is, and actually she's on MRN. Um, what's her name? The blonde? Because she used to be a uh, Miss Sprint, Sprint Cup. Oh, oh, Kim Coon. Kim, Kim Coon. So I actually was doing a scavenger hunt at the Brickyard. Yeah. And Kim Coon helped me as well as Rutledge. And I ended up winning Super Bowl tickets mm. from them helping me. So I have memories on top of memories, memories of the brickyard. The so brickyard. it's just, and, and even when we talk about um, the snake pit, if you've ever been to the Indy 500, that's like my thing too. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. So again, I know this is about Rocco, but I just wanted to add that because it seems as if there's just some allure about the brickyard that we all have. Kenny has yet to go to the brickyard. This was probably going to be the year that he was going, Ugh, but it didn't COVID. happen. Oh, yeah. COVID. Mess so. it all up. <laughs> all right. So, Rocco, you had, you had a real good answer, of course, to uh, your first, one of your biggest wins, one of the ones you really remember. I do know you have one of those grandfather clocks that uh, Jeff Gordon won. I think that was his last, very, very last win. So, I thought you were going to say that right out the gate. <laughs> Well, first of all, remember that I'm concussed. I've, I, you know, I've had a few concussions, so a win is a win for me. It took six years just to get my first win, much less remember when the wow. last one was. But you're absolutely right. Martinsville was a very special win, and that clock is sitting right now in my house by the front door as we speak. And that was special for the simple fact that out of all the races, you know, the short tracks are the ones where pit crew can impact the race the most. There was one that we really valued. And we really took serious and we all had circled on our calendar as ones that we really overly prepare for and really, you know, grit our teeth at it and, and want to stand out at that racetrack. There's a lot of opportunities to uh, present yourself in a, in a high regard as it relates to um, changing tires at Martinsville. There's so many 
factors and getting in the box right, you know, overheating the brakes to the point where uh, not even that, it's just pit stalls are so tight. I mean, your butthole is tight the entire time during that pit <laughs> stop at Martinsville. It's one of those races where you can definitely, um, you know, uh, gather some bragging rights when you have a good day on pit road at Martinsville, especially running up front. Um, and back in the day when there wasn't a presence of uh, multiple grooves and the racing was where you would get, you remember Kenny and, and Tam as well, when in Martinsville, you don't, you get on that um, outside line, you're getting freight train, you know, on the inside, you know, and it was uh, miserable, you know, going from fifth to 12th and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? So yes, Martinsville is very special as well. And yes, I got a dub there as well. Yeah. Well, Kenny is the shark short track guy everybody <laughs> knows well i've come around to short tracks and i'm not really a fan of what's going to happen to what? my home track what's that they're converting it to a short track at auto club remember they're about to turn it to a Montana. short track in like a year yeah next year well, that, that's year. pretty good because i got tired of falling asleep watching that race <laughs> you know so you know they get so spread out especially back in the day they would get spread out and damn near lap the entire field Especially Kevin Harvick and uh, those Logano boys. Even man, they would get strung out single file. You couldn't catch anybody. I was just a snooze fest. Not to mention, they need to do something about those big earthly god pit boxes they have at Fontana, where you feel like you're just running for years to the right side <laughs> of the car. And the tire, you lose a tire in those pit boxes at Fontana. It just seems slow motion tire. It's just like you're just like no. It's just so long to get. I mean. Yeah, I mean, don't let's not talk about your home track, Fontana. I'll, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> no comment. Alone. I'm glad they're doing something to it, Tam. I'm glad they're doing something to that track. I got nothing against L.A. or California, Fontana, but I do got something against uh, boring races. Well, let's get one thing straight. Fontana is not Los Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you very it much. Is, it is. Like, I, I consider so, L.A., Los, Fontana, Ontario. What's the difference? <laughs> I consider Las Vegas my home track. I know that sounds weird, but I, I, there are things. I can't really say I'm a super fan of the racing at Las Vegas, but I love the track because it's modern. The media center is beautiful. It has a most excellent view mm-hmm. of everything. And yeah, but Fontana is old, so it's about time that they did something with it. But that's just my thoughts. Kenny, go ahead. I <laughs> know <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting, um, especially on the angle of like how it is for a, a pit crew member and when they're going against those, as you would say, those really, really wide boxes. But I will ask you this, speaking of that, and with all the nuances and all the constant changes that the pit crews have seen over the last few years. I got to ask you for someone who is a young athlete out there, maybe listening to this podcast, what would you tell them to get prepared for having a career in, in NASCAR as a pit crew member? As a pit crew member, first of all, you, you, you have to be the one open to a unique and challenging experience. If you're the one that lights the mundane everyday monotonous type of routine it probably want to be for you for the simple fact that it hasn't even jumped on your radar as of yet you're used to doing the same routine so therefore if nascar isn't on your radar and you haven't you haven't so what gained the smallest inkling of uh, uh attention to nascar as of lately or you haven't gained the slightest bit of interest in this sport with all that's going on with this sport now being the first back 
from uh, during the COVID when COVID was announced. We were the first sport to come back, the first sport to introduce fans and and accomplish all that successfully. There's a lot of things to be excited about by NASCAR, curious about by NASCAR, and especially now with the addition with what MJ is trying to do with Denny and Bubble. You know, there, there's a lot of interest here to the point where if you're not paying attention, doesn't pique your interest, so be it. You know, it is what it is. You know, you ain't, you're not made for this sport anyway. But the ones that are are paying attention to it now, I think that they're got a, they have a lot of good things in store for them. The things that we're doing with our new president, with Steve Phelps, with the excitement that we have with our younger drivers moving on up. And not only that, with just the next-gen car coming up and the, the possibility of creating a new choreography on how these pit stops are going to look and what pit stops are going to mean to the race is very exciting to me, you know, internally, because I want to be the one that, you know, is a part of that change for the good, you know, for the overall good of winning a bunch of races or being a part of winning organizations, winning a bunch of races, you know? So at the end of the day, you either, you either got it or you don't. That's, you know, the open-mindedness to try something different. You know, you can lead them to water. You can't make them drink, Ken, Cam. You know, we've led a lot of, of our friends and people to the water of the beauty of what NASCAR <laughs> is to us. But, you know, we can't get them people to drink. I've been in this sport for over 16 years, and they still think I'm, I, I, you know, they still think Jeff Gordon's racing. You know, so um, <laughs> that tells you right there, <laughs> you know, how much they pay attention to it. Okay, so Rocco, you've been in this sport for 16 years, and we cannot possibly cover everything that we want to cover in this little 45-minute episode. So we want you to come back. It's been 45 minutes. I know you want to come back. It's been 45 minutes. It's been longer than that because you guys know we talk (laughs) all the time. Y'all got to do some chopping screwing. Y'all got to chopping screwing some stuff on this show. My bad. No, it's all good. We talked offline. We talked online. Uh, and we we just have so much more to talk about. So, but we know you have a family to get to. Say hi to your mom because we know your mom is visiting you yep. in Charlotte. And on that note, we're going to let you go, but we're going to bring you back because we cannot pass up an opportunity to talk to someone who offers so much diversity and such a diverse, you know, opinion about NASCAR. We're doing more than talking, Tam. You <laughs> well, know Hugh? Tam, you know Hugh? No, do I know Hugh? You never heard of Hugh? Wait, nope, I'm missing the joke. Hugh, damn right, we're doing more than talking. <laughs> I already I'm knew it, so I was like, I'm missing it. <laughs> you damn right, I'm with you, Tam. Yes. We can talk so, all we want as long as we're, you know, we're educated. Not only that, we're educated. We're getting more on board with what we're what we're passionate about. And the yes. deeper we are, the Absolutely. more successful we'll be. And at the end of the day, we're a part of something special. There's nothing wrong with sharing that with as many people as we want. True that. So we will talk to you soon. We're going to schedule maybe next week. I don't know. Because hey. we have six parts. And how many more races left? Six? Seven? Seven. Five? <laughs> my okay. only thing is, my only thing is I, I'll need a... a 45, uh, 45, I'm not going to say minutes, 45 seconds reserved for my little rant. I, this is therapeutic for me. This is therapeutic for me. Oh, it's sometimes, all good. Sometimes yeah. I just need to get things off my chest that relates to within this sport, and I need to do it in a way where I won't get in trouble. 
So I'll be able to talk to y'all in code and you know exactly what I'm talking about, but only like-minded individuals like us will understand what we're talking about. You get well, what I'm saying? Are you picking got, up what I'm putting down? We're picking it up, but we got to put it down and let you know that sometimes the powers to be are listening to this podcast because we have been around for a long time. And as you guys know, I do have a hard card and I straddle. <laughs> we all got hard cards, but I'm just saying, and you guys, taken. you guys also know that <laughs> I, I vote. I'm a voting member of a lot of stuff. I, uh, we never talk about it, but Kenny knows some things behind the scene. Well, so, NASCAR I, Hall of Fame pit crew division. When is that coming? Because we, we need to vote on that, too. So you just make sure when when when, when <laughs> NASCAR pit crew members start getting voted into Hall of Fame stuff and we start being treated like we matter, then maybe then I'll receive a vote since you're 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 a contributing voting member there. You know, <laughs> oh, because look. we need to stop. We need to stop. We need to get the, the, the knee off the necks of our pit crew members. What we need to do. We, we're, we're pretty important. We're pretty that is important. interesting. Yeah, I'm glad. You see, you see how my rants go? You see how my yes. rants go? Well, okay, so <laughs> we have more. a new thing. There's so many more. We know hashtag Tam's rant, but we are introducing you, and this is going to be a cliffhanger, but we're introducing you to hashtag Rocco's rant. Slaw rants. Slaw okay, we slaw rants. Slaw is, slaw is something. <laughs> okay, so Rocco, thank you so much for joining us. A slaw rant, us. a slant, a slant. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Rocco. And we will talk to you, I guess, next week because we have some. Thanks for having me. I'll see y'all a little bit later on. I'll talk to y'all in five minutes. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we will talk to Rocco again because as you guys could tell, Rocco has a lot to say. So on that note, one of my favorite things to say, any event, and on that note, Renee, it is time for some predictions. It's time for Grace Predictions. Thought I'd give you something <laughs> a little different. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I love when you do that, actually, Tam, because it's almost like your version of, of me and Kenny's, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> Well, I made trademarking him. <laughs> what's his name? That trademark. Let's get ready to rumble. Oh yeah, um, Bruce. What, what, uh, I Bruce tend, I tend to forget his name. Yeah, Buffer. Well, yeah, the funny Buffer. thing is, most people don't know he trademarked "Let's Get Ready to Rumble," and his brother, who does all the UFC fights, also trademarked whatever he says before yeah. the UFC fights. Hey, get your bag, man. Clearly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to infringe on his trademark because... Boy, you ain't lying. I don't even know what it is, but yeah. I know he has a saying. Okay, so Renee, who you got for Talladega? All right, so we are at Talladega. I'm going to make this real nice and simple for your winner. At Talladega, I am going to go with my man, Joey Logano, again. I was hoping that Joey Logano was going to win this race today. But you know what? I'm going to stick with Joey for the next race. I'm looking for Joey Logano to win at Talladega. And my alternative pick, I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin, actually. I think, uh, Tam, you hit it uh, right on the head earlier. Denny is just, he's just been unbelievable all year. And uh, and he's even doing it here in the playoffs. And I wouldn't be surprised if Denny pulls it out. But I'm going to go with Joey Logano on this one. So those are my picks. I'm going to stick with him. What do you say, Kenny? All right. So we are rolling the Talladega now. 
Shout out to Kurt Busch for getting his way through Las Vegas because Las Vegas is the one on, on this mm-hmm. part of the playoffs that you have got to get. Because if not, just like Tam said, it is anybody's ball game. We rolled down to Lincoln, Alabama for the next race this upcoming week. So for me, I am actually going to go with Chase Elliott as my main pick. I feel like he's a obviously a fan favorite down there in that region. Should be a good one for him. He's had chances to win races like that. So I think it'll be a good shot for him and then lock himself into the round of eight. Then I'm going for an alternative pick. The Fords have been pretty solid at the super speedways. And he actually won in what we call, I guess you could say, Springs last summer, Ryan Blaney. He's out of the playoffs, but I still wouldn't wouldn't count him out. I feel like every single time for the last two years at Talladega, he has been in the fold. Something may or may not happen to him, but he ends up getting a victory lane. So with that being said, Miss Tam, what are your picks? You talked about fours, but I'm not picking a four driver. <laughs> Although I was thinking, what if Ricky Stenhouse is that unsuspecting upset driver (laughs) considering he has just not had the best year but he's not my pick either i am going with a chevy driver as in chase elliott i am channeling the spirit of dale jr and i guess it's technically not a spirit because he's still alive but you know what i'm saying i'm feeling some vibes from dale jr so i'm gonna pick Chase Elliott, and I know you guys are like, what's the connection? Well, you know, most popular driver connection, Hendrick mm-hmm. connection. That makes sense. And then the other vibe, and I, if you guys can see me, I'm. It's almost like I'm rubbing a glass ball that's in the air. I don't know. <laughs> nobody can see me. I'm not sure why I'm doing all these hand motions. But my other driver is a Dale Junior connection, kind of, sorta. And that is Austin Dillon for the win. Ooh, whoa. And what the connection is there, <laughs> maybe the number three, because Senior was in the number whoa. three and his kid. And well, although Dale is older than Austin, whoa. but yeah, I don't know. I, you guys put the connection Ooh. together. That's who I'm <laughs> going with. I'm going with Chase Elliott for the win. And my alternative is Austin Dillon for the upset win. Because Austin has gotten it done. You know, you guys know how I feel. Do not hate on Austin. So yeah, so those are my picks. You know, Tam, by all accounts, that that is actually a good pick. And and I I can see the connection and I know where you're going with that. That's actually a, a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good pick. I I like it. Wow. That, that one was shocking. (laughs) That, that one. But why is it so wild? Because the reality is Austin has gotten it done at the super speedways. So why can't he get it done at Talladega? It's not impossible. That's all It's not impossible. I just wasn't expecting to hear it. I don't think that three car in general. At all. I don't think it's won in 20 years at Talladega. So that in itself okay, would be pretty so crazy. Okay, so then that's even more of a reason. And that was Dale's I don't last know. I win, just, just feel FYI. like he's... Okay, there you have it. So I'm just all right. I'm just throwing it out, going out on a limb. But I just feel like he has everything to lose. He's not going to pass through unless he wins. He's in dead last out of the 12 drivers. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Those are our picks. What say you, fans? Hit us up on our social media across the board at Turns No Breaks. Hit us up. Leave us a comment. Let us know who you think is going to win. We always appreciate you tuning in and supporting our podcast. 
Thank you so much for supporting All Turns No Breaks. And for Tam, for my man Kenny, and myself, we will see you next week on another episode of All Turns No Breaks. See y'all. Kurt Pass Inspection. It's official. And shout out to Rocco. Can't wait to have him back on the podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. 